Feel good about all the shots. All right. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Voice in the Pen podcast. We are super thrilled today to have with us the one, the only Joel Lamb, the rocket man of Wilmington. Dude, <laughs> welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you guys for You're having welcome. me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're here to chat music and songwriting. I think something that all of us love to do independently of this, but it's super cool to be here. So thank you for coming in and sharing your take on music with us for a little while. Um, and we were talking before we got beginning the podcast, and you've been in Wilmington for about six and a half, seven years now? Yeah. And you moved from Austin, so like one music town to another one in a way? Yeah. Um, I mean, a lot of differences between the two, but this is this town has been such a breath of fresh air for me. The community is amazing, and uh, I love how supportive the different arts are of one another, mm -hmm. and, and the synergy that you get with local artists and theater folks and movie folks and music folks. It's just, uh, it's been a, like a whole new education for me and a great experience. So. That's awesome. So, I mean, you're making me have a question to me. Like, what do you feel like you've learned? Cause I mean, you're a super proficient musician. You've been playing for a long time, most of your life, it seems like. Um, so what have you learned? Like how has the music community in Wilmington impacted you? Um, you know, I think a, a, a big part is there's just so many great, um, like, selfless examples of of musicians here, like sh showmen that go into a place, and the second that the, the lights go down, they, they are a rock star that is, like, entertaining the hell out of the room that they're in. But the second that, that, that those lights are off, they are, like, the champion of every other musician and, and like, the first to connect this drummer with this bass player if they're looking for someone and the mm -hmm. first the first two um i don't know start uh singer songwriter podcasts and <laughs> and network with uh, folks that way i i think that um that was the biggest thing for me is i was like well i i'm all about like learning how to be one of these people like mm -hmm. I, I want to 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 be a helper and to um to find where this person and this person can connect and mm -hmm. and we all like lift one another up together you know I, I, that's beautiful and I, I can say honestly that I don't really know because I've never known a music scene other than Wilmington so you've been in Nashville you've been in Austin and California and, and, and Spokane or I say Spokane but I'm guessing so Washington State for sure yeah and I've always felt that the music community here is like a super supportive community, um, you know, because that's uh, in a lot of ways, like I know a specific human that is one of those rock stars that can entertain the hell out of a room and was one of the first people to be like, you need to go play an open mic, you know, <laughs> and I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but so thank you for sharing that. Um, we were talking earlier as well. We have a couple different people that have moved here from music towns and Wilmington is really becoming that. And I think that's consistent feedback that I hear is that it's a different, it's a little bit different community because it is supportive and there are other arts that are like intertwined with that. Uh, you've helped out with some equipment needs for Kukaloris before. So we're super grateful for that as well. But why did you start playing? When did that start for you? When did your music journey begin? Well, as a five-year-old, my parents um, gave me, uh, they connected me with a classical music teacher and I had, you know, piano lessons for uh, from five to 11 or so. And uh, I had a very strict kind of traditional teacher and uh, somebody that 
you know, I would, I would start hearing with my ear what these classical songs were doing and try to like figure all the parts out before like the notes on the page. And, and I, it, that was definitely frowned upon. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, they moved away when I was an 11 year old. And, and I remember like getting a radio from my parents that had a cassette player. And I remember like waiting for them to go to bed so I could like play some of the, um, less traditional, less wholesome songs that I heard on the radio that I really loved. <laughs> you listen and to I'd that rec- secular music. <laughs> yeah, I'd record them on my tape deck, and then uh, when my parents weren't around, I would spend all my time trying to pick out the notes and figure out how to make them all work. And uh, that was, you know, a big part of my childhood, from like especially from 11 to 16, was just listening to Motown and listening to uh, rock and roll and trying to figure out how the chords worked and how what what i didn't know it was called music theory but like how how the the language communicates between instruments and and what uh soundscape what makes up a soundscape you know Mm -hmm. just one note at a time (laughs) were you performing then Uh, not at all not at Um, all i mean at at church i would you know i'd go to church with my parents and there'd be like a worship leader or a worship team and i would listen to like you know, interact with the music that way, mm-hmm. like singing hymns or, um, you know, you'd learn like your part, like in a hymnal, you have the four, uh, the alto, the soprano and the tenor and the bass notes on the hymnal. And so you'd, you'd be singing the, the songs and I'd, I'd be trying to figure out like where the harmony went, you know, and, mm-hmm. and try to do the tenor harmony on everything. But, uh, that was really the only, uh, performance of music that I was really involved in mm-hmm. as a kid. Okay. You when remind it, me of, yeah. um, Watching the the movie Rocket Man with Elton John and and when he's like eight years old at the piano and he's like playing it and this teacher is like no like you know just play through to this one part and he like stops it like exactly and it's like because that's you see that like connection in his brain happening with the music it reminds me of kind of what you were talking about trying to figure out the language of it and like the notes and moving ahead you know with the theory of it. That's awesome. I haven't seen that all the way through. I, I, I got tickets to see it, and I had to leave. Um, something was going on with my daughter, but I got to go back and watch that. Cause, uh, it's a great movie, yeah. Yeah, sounds awesome. I haven't seen it yet, so I'm looking forward to it. I have to check it out. So when did you start performing You know, more in the entertainer, playing your own music, playing covers, playing non-church music outside of that environment? Well, kind of a pivotal moment in my life was as a 16-year-old um, going from like a homeschooled education to community college classes. Mm-hmm. And the freedom and like culture shock that was involved was a lot for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I ran away from home mm-hmm. and um, got involved with all kinds of things. But one of the things was a jam band named Captain Fathom. And uh, I would... Um, I got a um, like a, a keyboard and I would play um, organ parts with them. Okay, and so that was kind of like my first exposure to going into clubs or um, Grange halls or wherever we were, you know, even farmers market, mm-hmm. you know, and uh, you know, learning how to play with a group of of people. So what's a Grange Hall? Like, that seems like a specific thing, like a specific region. (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely like a farm-oriented, like, place where everybody goes to dance. Like square dancing. Yeah. Where did you grow up? In Texas? or Rural Washington State, about an hour north of Seattle. Okay. 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 So right in time for grunge. Oh, yeah. Like, it was, (laughs) you know, peak 
peak grunge years had just passed and, and the whole community was like mourning, you know, the loss of so many people, um, not just Kurt Cobain, but also like um, Alice in Chains mm -hmm. uh, singer. Um, there was a, there was several, uh, Blind Melon guy. Shannon um, Cahoon. Yeah. So th there was a lot of, of loss mm -hmm. that was talked about. Yeah. I remember that a lot in like 1996. I was 16. Yeah. Okay. Um, S sidebar, there's a, there, there's a lot of pain and sadness in grunge, period. Like that's, yeah. that's what the whole genre is kind of yeah. that way. Um, but speaking of that, you know, we've kind of covered already like a couple of different genres. We've talked Motown. We've talked grunge. We've talked, you know, more church-oriented music, which has like very specific music theory structure that's applied to it. But what's your favorite style of music to play for you? Um. I may I may not be like a specific style, but um, from like uh, I guess Jerry Lee Lewis and Elton were were kind of the Elton John were kind of the the people that that showed me that it was okay to to rock out on a piano and not mm -hmm. just play the notes, but mm -hmm. like it's okay to like you can be the the rhythm section and the bass line with your left hand. You can walk that, you know. And and through that I, I learned blues and you know got exposed to to so many other influences of you know people with even Herbie Hancock you know he's got like that that walking left hand um, so so my, I guess my favorite kind of kind of genre is is definitely kind of in that um, intersection between blues and country and gospel where there's there's a solid um, rhythm coming from the piano mm -hmm. and. Uh, you know the, mel the there's melody lines too, and other and you know you support the melody with your right hand, but but I love that whole the intersection between the two hands and just trying to figure out how to get the brain to get them to communicate with each other. Yeah, it's <laughs> same same but different on guitar. Like it's you're you know it's very different relationship but similar because you're like well my left hand's doing something completely different than my right, and how do I make these things you know so that they make sense together and then sing at the same time? Right. Yeah. <laughs> do you yeah. play other instruments as well? Uh, not well. I, I love to um, when I'm writing a song. I like to try to to write it with a guitar mm -hmm. just to see if like something else pops out that I wasn't thinking about. Mm -hmm. So when did you when did you perform your first original song? When, when was that? What was that like for you? Um, maybe seventeen or eighteen. Yeah, I um, kind of like worked things out with my parents. Moved back in uh, as a seventeen year old and, and finished high school. And during that time, um, met some guys and and did some band things. Um, played some talent shows. And uh, about that time is when I was, you know, starting to figure out, try to figure out how to write songs. But um, I think the biggest thing that was weird about it was that I didn't really have something to say yet, mm. you know. And I, I put, I would put a lot of pressure on myself to like figure out what my message of my song was going to be about. And the the bottom line was like, I think that I had to to live and experience more things and. The more that that has happened, the easier it is to have something to say. Mm -hmm. um, I can definitely relate to that because I feel like I started writing lyrics when I was 14. And it's just kind of like a lot of the stuff that you start to write is kind of fictional, you know, because it's like you don't. I mean, I wasn't dating or anything. So it's like I didn't have like relationship stuff like that to write about. But then I would find myself writing that. But I'd be like, this, this isn't like from personal experience, you know, so it's like, yeah. what do I 
what do I write about, you know? Fast forward to now, different writing process probably than back then. Well, yeah, um, I think um, I get really excited when I start something and, and I want to, like, show everybody and play it in front of everybody. But, like, it doesn't start getting good, I think, until, like, maybe the 50th revision, you know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, I was yeah. like, what am I doing? I can't show this off yet. You know, I got to, like, go back and work it out and, like, let it evolve and breathe a little bit yeah, um, yeah we were just re rewriting a whole second verse to a song earlier yeah, we, we were like <laughs> we're gonna do this we started a co-write project about a year ago and you know we <laughs> thought that we were like 80 percent done with it and we sat down today we're like why don't we just throw everything away but the first verse <laughs> nice <laughs> and start over like you know we've changed significantly as writers since a year ago so um but it also seems at the same time that you know, sometimes that revision process is the musical structure or maybe not musical structure might be too heavy handed, but like whether you're going to hold um, a chord for a little bit longer in a certain place to get more vocal extension or you're trimming the lyrics, you know, and coming with different rhymes. But sometimes I find that like neither one of those things really changes. It really becomes just about how you're singing and phrasing and, and that can be it as well. But it's like as you grow as a musician, your ability to move from you know, inspiration to completed product seems to go a little faster, but at the same time, your standards keep going up. <laughs> so Dude, it's like... I can totally relate to that. Yeah. I feel very similar. Um, and, and like the, the word choices change. Mm -hmm. Like I used to want to go out and find the most elaborate word to communicate what I was trying to communicate. And then I realized <laughs> that sonically it, that's not how it works. Right. You know, we were talking with, um, with Sam Hatch a couple of weeks ago, and this is the first time I've ever heard this articulated, but he was talking about, you know, how important vowel choices in your, in your lyric selection, because, you know, that's really what drives the sounds. I mean, it's kind of hard to make a, a consonant sound that has a place, <laughs> you know, in a song, everything is really driven by the vowels. And so, yeah, I can totally relate to that as well, where it's like, I've got this great word, it's going to be awesome in a song. Uh, well, maybe the meaning of the word is awesome, but we got to go do some work on the word to get it to like singable or, or musically digestible in a way. It'd be kind of like you'd have a, like an electric guitar that was super fancy and yet it had no sustain, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that's kind of mm -hmm. what it's like. <laughs> Straight, dry. <laughs> yeah. That's it. <laughs> it's like there, why there's so many oohs and ahs in a song. The yeah. Vowel, you can get sounds. away with that. Like you can have a whole pre-chorus or chorus section that's a lot of ooh and ah. And mm -hmm. it's like it, it makes, it resonates with people. But that's like, I mean, music's just energy, right? So as you, you know, become more and more one with your instrument and you're, you know, kind of expressing yourself more fluently through that as well as through your voice and lyric, you know, you're sending out this one, you know, kind of consolidated energy signal or with your if you're with a band it's you know even more consolidated and hits more parts of the sonic spectrum um and that becomes as much a consideration of anything as the the lyric but like i grew up on the lyric like it was immediately hooked by like michael Same. jackson and willie nelson and you know uh, hank williams jr and hank williams senior i'm like oh my god the lyric the lyric the lyric and like it took a while to break away from the, the pen part <laughs> and get more focused on the music part. But you've played with a lot of folks in town. 
um, when you got here, you were doing some solo stuff. I remember we met at the the world famous Goat and Compass open mic one night, and you played with L Shape Lot. You played with a bunch of different bands locally, and then now you formed the Brown Dirt Cowboys. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about that project? Yeah. So um, through Goat and Compass playing at, at open mic, um, I met uh, Bobby Lloyd there, the guitar player. Um, and it's funny, Brown Dirt Cowboys started off as, as an idea I had just to do, um, covers of Elton John songs, really like out in a public place. And I had met, uh, Darren through work. He, he was a coworker of mine for, um, many years before he moved, he and his family moved to Dallas, but he's a fantastic drummer. We, and we'd work together and he'd be like, yeah, you come jam sometime. And I was like, oh yeah, okay. Like I, I was like you know, I'm sure he's, I'm sure he's good, but eventually like we connected in, in, at his house, in his garage. And I was like, oh man, this guy's phenomenal. And, uh, I mean, he can sing and he, he plays, his timing is just fantastic as a drummer. Um, and so we started, uh, rehearsing together and then, um, through Goat and Compass and Eric, we met, um, Greg Matheson Mm -hmm. and, uh, he was bartending at Tails and, um, he worked, he worked uh, some strings for us to be able to go play there, and and we had, you know, we got to where every month we'd play there once a month, and then the pandemic, of course, happened, and um, unfortunately, Tails is no longer with us. But, um, and and also, I'm thinking thinking about Greg a lot right now, missing him too. Yeah, for sure, um, phenomenal Big loss guy. To the community. Um, and I'm super grateful to have met him and, and spend the time with him that we were able to do. Um, but, uh, you know, Brown Dirt Cowboys has just kind of grown up from that. You know, we, it started off as all covers, three-hour sets, and and then we started writing some some, some music together. And, and now um, we're definitely um, focused on creating more than c- covering. Mm-hmm. And, and the, the covers are great for you know, getting us into some shows, you know, around town and, and, uh, but I love to sandwich original songs in there between covers, like yeah. every show yeah, oh yeah, <laughs> and not say anything about it. Like Bobby's like, Hey, this is an original. I'm like, shh, <laughs> you know, yeah. don't tell them. Yeah. It's awesome though. I mean, like I d- definitely is, uh, my style in, in shows, Emily's too. It's like, you know, th- slam the originals in there as much as you can. And it's a really right. rewarding feeling when you like, you play, you know, some real recognizable cover like by the band or Elton John or something like that and then follow it up with an original song and people clap. Yeah. And they don't know, they're not clapping because you were like, this is an original song, I really hope that you like it. You know? Right. <laughs> it's like you play it and they're like, they respond to it. Yeah, it feels so see. good. Yeah, if they're like, wow, well, who, who wrote that? And then you're, me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's great. Yeah, and and kind of back to the music growing up with, you know, formal instruction in music and then conversation we're having about lyric and music. Like what works for you? What typically comes first? Is it the lyric? Is it the music? Does it vary? How does what's your writing process like? Oh, well, as I'm learning to be a better writer, I think that um I'm I've really focused recently on on trying to get my message um, with the lyrics before I approach the music. I feel like the music has always been kind of like breathing for me. Like it's, it's not as difficult to, it's like a different kind of your brain side of your brain. I think that, that you're using, um, when I, when I think of a melody or, a um, or something to play on the piano, like those things 
seem very a lot more effortless than crafting that message. And so I, I try to like really find where my message is and fine tune it and, and work on that before I bring it to one of the other things, unless I get stuck. And I, and if I get stuck, like I, sometimes I feel like I need the inspiration of like having something to hum or having a note here or there to like kind of help motivate me to like get mm-hmm. through it. Sure. But yeah, that makes total sense. But the music has always, especially like, you know, in Austin, I was working with um, another singer songwriter a lot. His name is Mike Burns. And he was, it was effortless for him to come up with words. Mm-hmm. That was just like, he could write a new song every couple of days. And that was always like very impressive to me because like, that was not where I was coming from. <laughs> yeah, but so interesting because we're, I know we keep mentioning Elton John, but like with Bernie Toppin yeah. being like, that was something that I learned watching that, that film was I didn't realize that Elton John didn't write his lyrics and yeah. Again, listening to you talk about coming up with the music and just reading about and seeing how Elton John would just like, okay, here's some words that, you know, he wrote, let me just see what melody fits. And then it just like flows out, you know, as being the pianist. Um, yeah, I wish it flew out as fast for me as it does for Elton. <laughs> I think we could all I could all say, yeah, we agree with that. Us too. I wish that, yeah. <laughs> But I noticed that too when I when I was learning about Elton is is that he was definitely like more of the piano guy and, and I I really resonated with that you know because yeah I love that you say that it's like breathing for you playing the piano it is it's it's my I'm so grateful for every second that I can play like it's yeah. it's my favorite thing to do yeah I totally can understand that <laughs> yeah I mean you can yeah. tell it when you watch when when I watch you perform live I can tell like how connected you are mm-hmm. to singing, performing, singing, playing your piano too. And to your, and to the instrument too. Like it's interesting mm-hmm. watching you, like when you show up, which keyboard or which keyboards you have with you, you know, like, cause our players are known for getting real attached to their instruments, you know, and, and piano players as well. It's just really hard to move a piano around. <laughs> so, but I mean, it seems like the same thing is true for you with specific keyboards, the way they're set up, the way that you're used to the weight of the keys. I mean, you can probably sit down and play anything, but like, this is probably important to you in a different way. Cause you got a lot of time on it. Yeah, I was thinking about bringing the the little one with me today because I wasn't sure how how much room we had, and and the more I thought about it, the more I was like, nah, I just want to bring this one because it it's gonna feel so much more comfortable. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So with with Brown Dirt Cowboys, you all are writing music together. So how does that process work? We talked about your process, and then in terms of writing with a group of people, how do the how does the co write work for you? Well, you know, our process for the first record that we recently finished um gold in the moonlight the the process was largely like i would write these songs and i'd bring them to the band and we'd just play the hell out of them Mm -hmm. like we'd play a song 20 times in a row in one rehearsal sometimes Mm -hmm. and just listen to things and talk about them and maybe have little disagreements about how we wanted the rhythms to feel and the the vibe of it and I kind of am learning that, you know, the more I listen to what my bass player and drummer think about the groove, the happier we all are with the product. 
They can so, kind of they can kind of run the show in that way. And I'm hundred percent sure. comfortable with them doing that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you know, good. I don't have to think about that anymore. Great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They they're both uh, great musicians, and I'm I'm grateful that to be able to to bring songs to them and have them work on it in that way. And yeah. now that we've gone through that record, um, Bobby and I are working more on coming together and and working on the songs as like a partnership, like before they're they're completed you know like we'll he'll we'll bring ideas with one another to to work on and and i haven't i don't have any good examples of that yet because we're like very much in the crafting process right now does he help you with the lyrics too or yeah it's it's a um so far it's it's a lot of like he's got lines and lyrics and and hooks and notes and i do too and and we're just trying to figure out where they meet up tetris yeah yeah tetris totally totally and so speaking of round cowboys you guys have some exciting dates coming up we've got some some shows we're really excited about um we're gonna for the first time uh we're gonna be at wrightsville beach park on thursday july 20th okay um for the wect sounds of summer Mm -hmm. and and then um, August 18th is a Friday, and we'll be at Early Gardens. Um, and I think that one's from 6 to 8 p.m. Awesome. Yeah, and congratulations. Those are going to be fun shows for you all. We're, we're looking forward to it, crossing our fingers for good weather on both of those. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah those really. are great spots. I haven't seen a show at Sounds of Summer Show in a while um, at the park there. But, yeah, that's a nice, it's nice stage. COVID Ugh, ruining things like that. For <laughs> yeah. I, I love the family oriented kind of like open air feel that you get at shows like that. Just from the ones with L shape lot that I was fortunate enough to be with. Uh, yeah. There was one at Founders Park in Leland and it's just, you look out there and it's just blankets and families mm-hmm. and everybody brought some food and they're drinking some, you know, whatever they're drinking and they're all just having such a good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's and a good feeling. Totally different feel from a, Jimmy's and it's the opposite of bars. Jimmy's. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't really like those 10 p.m. to 1 a.m. shows very much at all. You know, <laughs> can do, but I gotta mention though, like it, we're super grateful that that we were able to play at Jimmy's because um, just looking at you know our band and and how we've grown, so many of those growth moments have happened between you know 8 p.m. and 11 p.m at Jimmy's once a month. That'll yeah. like mm-hmm. teach you things that nothing else can teach you. No no learning sure. like no learning like learning on the stage. I mean, it's so important and so vital. And we're so fortunate to have so many venues like Jimmy's that do support artists. Like there, you know, there are more bars and more restaurants and more venues, I'll say, in Wilmington that want live music now than have ever been that way. Mm-hmm. And a significant portion of those are so supportive and cool with original music. Yeah. And I mean, I think it has, says a lot about our talent. I think it says a lot about the musicians that are getting out there and performing and writing and creating original music and doing those sorts of things. So, um, and the, the last thing that is on my mind before we get to hear you breathe or, you know, <laughs> play some songs for us. Um, you know, one of the things that I really admire about you is you collaborate with so many different people. You know, I've seen you play with everybody from the Brown Dirt Cowboys to L-Shaped Lot. I know you're doing some stuff with Monica, Monica Jane right yeah. now. Yeah. You know, so it's super cool to see that. And, I, you know, I have felt so warmly about the Wilmington music community, but I'm a little biased and not very objective because this has been the one that I've been in. But having you come here and add to it in such a beautiful and dynamic way is we're all really grateful for that. Man, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. Uh, I'm grateful to be here. And... I've never 
never experienced this. And, you know, I'm 42 and, um, it took, you know, coming here to like, see, I guess what this is like exactly my ideal place. If, if someone was to say, where should you, where should I go? Like make music? I'm like, go find a place that has a community like this where mm-hmm. it's okay. Whatever level you're at to like get out there and you're going to find a place, a place for you to, to grow. Mm-hmm. And, that's what real success is, is growing and creating. You know, it doesn't matter how many material possessions you've accumulated if you're in a stagnancy period. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're able to to just invest your time and, and resources into growth and creativity in whatever, like, proficiency level you're at, then you're successful, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's a huge... I agree. I totally agree with that. It's like a huge mindset shift where you go from... You know, like, and some people experience this, maybe some people don't, but you're like, you go from, I'm working because that's what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to work, I'm supposed to make money, I'm supposed to save my money, and then, like, have a retirement and, like, go through this certain life cycle. And then it seems like there is a switch that flips for people that are going to take their creativity very seriously. And so all that work, all all the other stuff becomes about really funding your art. It's like, I'm working to create time and space for me to, to practice, to rehearse, to perform, to record, to produce, to distribute. And, you know, um, and I think it becomes less about like, oh, I need to go make an album so that I can make big bucks. Like we all know that that's very challenging and that's a very narrow and very small percentage Mm -hmm. of the the people that are musicians in the country today or in the world today. But I, you know, like it feels so aligned and healthy when you're like understanding why you're doing the work at your your day job, whatever that is, whether it's, you know, selling real estate or working in retail or like whatever you're doing, because then like, it makes you really grateful for like, oh my, it's practice time now. Like I get to sit down and spend time with my instruments, spend time with my craft, spend time with my songs. So I totally, yeah, (laughs) I get excited about that a little bit. Yeah. I think, I think speaking to some of what you said is like, I think a lot of us musicians in town are like hustling, you know, Mm -hmm. or like we are trying to like hustle with the the certain other side jobs so that we can do what we love and create and practice like practice time writing time but then also like okay we got to play shows that are 10 p.m to 1 in the morning and then maybe get up and work the day job the next day (laughs) but it's worth it it's so worth it (laughs) it's so worth (laughs) there i mean this weekend this last weekend i um i played a birthday party up in emerald isle and I drove back, went to work, got up for work at 3 a.m., um, worked until 12.30, went and played uh, a doubleheader, uh, Wrightsville Beach Brewery, um, Oyster Roast, and then Beale Street Barbershop. Wow. Got home at um, 11.30 p.m. and turned around and got up at 3 a.m. and went to work again. Mm-hmm. And And I just you know, when you go through that, like, you're like, yeah, this is challenging. But like, when you remember why you do it, like, it gives you so much more energy and like, it mm-hmm. keeps you upright. And mm-hmm. I'm the first to admit, like, I need to prioritize rest more. <laughs> but at the same time, having a purpose behind it definitely makes it a healthier experience to go through. Sure. You know, I mean, I mean, like, I think we're we're meant to be tired sometimes and we're meant yeah. to be hungry sometimes and we're meant to be, you know, like stress is a normal part of the human experience. Some of the stress that we induce on ourselves as a society is not normal and not healthy, you know, um, this expectations, but like, you know, 
thousands of years ago, if you were cruising around in the jungle picking your berries and a bear showed up, you'd have stress. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> that's just part of the normal process. Anyways, we're going off on all sorts of tangents here, but we're really excited to hear some of your music. So thank you for joining us today and sharing and, and sharing a couple tunes. We're looking forward to hearing those. And thank you all for listening and hanging out and checking out the Voice in the Pen podcast. We'll be back more, back soon with more music. <laughs> waiting Neptune's been so vain and a stubborn host These waves are only golden in the moonlight in the quiet rise and fall Soon the sun creeps over the horizon outruns my waiting with its crawl You call yourself a marshal You need water I might call myself a captain You know better
it rains There's drowns of a dream Enough to change his mind and madness Points of light went black between A soft kiss can't tell Enough to give this dream its substance Suits and helmets can't conceal We've got new lights and see without the sun I've got a ship that's gonna take us to the moon, yeah you got a gaze that turns my heart to stone You've got a turn back to life again How dense this fall